This is a story about two Lloyds. One was an executive, one was a poor college student. While Lloyd the executive worked to better his organization, Lloyd the college student worked to pass freshman finals. After a couple starter jobs, our college student began working at the same organization as our executive. And one day, Lloyd Shirley called on Lloyd Harry, which happens to be me, to help him with a computer issue. And Lloyd Shirley took a liking to Lloyd Harry. This is going to be a little awkward speaking of myself in the third person, but I'm going to do my best. The executive called the student into his office to help with a computer issue. And while there, the student happened to see a little laptop called a libretto. It was practically pocket-sized in the late 90s. It made a MacBook look like a chalkboard. LJ remarked, That is the coolest laptop I've ever seen. Brother Shirley asked, Would you like it? Would I like it? That's like asking if someone would like a cheeseburger after a seven-day fast. LJ would have loved that laptop. His handwriting in class had begun to look more like hieroglyphics than class notes. God bless the teachers who tried to read it. If LJ could have afforded a laptop, he would have bought one, but they were pricey. Being a full-time student and part-time bank teller did not bode well for financial independence. Suddenly, Lloyd Shirley gathered the libretto, the cord, the drives, and said, you can do some work for me to work it off. LJ was stunned speechless, which I must admit is a modern miracle. He, I, seems to always have some kind of response. I'm learning more to listen more, talk less. And back to our story. LJ fixed the computer issue he had come for, thanked the benevolent Lloyd for his kindness, and went back to his desk. And right there on his desk was his very own libretto laptop. Suddenly, the joy of what he had just been given was quickly overshadowed by the weighty reality of how little he made and how much this laptop cost. It would take hours and hours and hours outside of school, church, homework, and work just to pay for it. But Brother Shirley was kind. He never reminded LJ that he owed him for it. The executive just let the student use it all the way through college, and he did. He typed up all his class notes through this final senior final. Then the beautiful spring day dawned when LJ was ready to graduate. And right around graduation day, the two Lloyds met up again, and Lloyd, the college student, now graduate, realized he had never worked one hour to pay for the libretto. That is the day Brother Shirley reminded him of the laptop, he said with a smile. Remember that laptop? Gulp. LJ thought, it's too late to work it off now. I leave for Florida in just days. Before he could fret any further, Brother Shirley spoke again. It's all yours. Lloyd the exec forgave Lloyd the student of his debt. And to this day, the two Lloyds are friends, and LJ is still thankful for Brother Shirley's kindness in giving him a laptop to get him through college and forgiving him of the debt when he graduated. That story sounds a little like a story that LJ, that's me, I look forward to sharing with you right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. 
Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to LJ Harry, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. If you are new to the podcast, I'd like to welcome you. Typically don't speak of myself in the third person, and yet the story to open up our episode today is a story that I had written and a story about me. So that's why I had to do that. A little bit weird, but there it is. Happy to have you with me. We've just started a brand new series. It's spring, whether you look out the window and see that it's spring or you walk out the door and feel that it's spring, it matters not. We are in the spring season. And so we've begun a brand new series called The Parables of Jesus. And this very first one is taken from one of Jesus's stories in Luke chapter seven, and it's the parable of the two debtors. Luke seven, verse 47 reads, wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many are forgiven for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same forgiveth little. Once Jesus hung up his carpenter's apron, he walked into a ministry of teaching the world around him about the kingdom of God. Jesus chose to teach many of his lessons as stories or parables. Parables were stories about people or things most people would understand. They were the lenses Jesus gave to the people he taught to give them a glimpse of the glory of the kingdom of God. He shared one such parable with a holy man named Simon. As the setting sun tossed long shadows on the street, Simon came bursting through the door. His servants had seen that look before. That look meant overtime. Right after Simon burst through the door, another man followed him, followed by a crowd who had been following him. The servant scurried back into the kitchen and dipped out more soup for all of Simon's guests. Simon was called a Pharisee. He was one of the holy men in Israel who kept the law to its fullest extent. He was conscious to dot every I and careful to cross every T. He was especially curious about this man, Jesus, who grew up in Nazareth and had just raised a widow's dead son back to life. Simon had been taught that only God can work those wonders. How did Jesus? Simon wanted to know if everything everyone was saying about Jesus was true. Was he really the Messiah or was he just another man trying to be God? While they sipped their soup and talked, one more guest made her way in. She quietly wound through the crowd and stopped at Jesus' filthy feet. Tears flooded her flushed face. Simon's servants looked at each other, wondering which one of them would have to be the bouncer. As she wept, her tears fell on Jesus' feet, washing off some of the dust from the dusty city streets. She knelt down and let her long, dark hair down as she began to wipe her tears with her hair. She cracked open a beautiful alabaster box she brought with her and poured her sweet perfume on Jesus' feet. This worshiping woman kept weeping and pouring perfume and kissing Jesus's feet. The whole time she had not whispered a word, but her worship screamed of her love for Jesus and thankfulness for what he had done for her. No one else in that room really knew what he had done for her, but they all knew what she had done. She was a notorious sinner. A holy and even uncomfortable hush fell as everyone heard only the soft weeping of this wicked woman. Simon the Pharisee was appalled. He wanted to stand and yell, Sinner! But he just sat there and pulled his religious robes tight against his chest. There was no way Jesus could be a prophet, else he would have known how filthy and unworthy this woman was. Simon began devising a way to toss Jesus and his wicked worshiper out of his holy house. Jesus knew exactly what Simon was thinking, so Jesus broke that uncomfortable silence and he weaved this parable. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces of silver to another. Unfortunately, when it came time to pay their creditor back, 
Neither one of them could. The creditor knew what that meant. The debtors knew what that meant. Unpaid debt carried the threat of dark days in debtors' prison, slaving away for masters they neither knew nor loved until they had paid back the last denarius. They gulped, knowing they were helpless to help themselves, but their creditor freely forgave both of them and canceled both of their debts. They were free to go. Their debts were forgiven. This was too good to be true. Then Jesus looked into Simon's dark brown eyes and asked him, Now, Simon, which of the debtors do you think loved him more after that? Well, Simon was savvy. Jesus was good at asking questions to which he already knew the answers. Simon swallowed hard and answered weakly, I I suppose the one whose larger debt was forgiven. Jesus smiled. Simon relaxed a little and Jesus nodded. You're right, Simon. Then Jesus turned to look at the weeping woman who was still pouring perfume on him and kissing his feet. Jesus then asked Simon, Do you see this woman? Simon, when I came in your house this afternoon, my feet were dusty from walking the streets. You rushed me past the basin and towel and into the dining room. You motioned for me to sit down as you announced who I am and why I'm here, but you never once offered to wash the dust off my feet. Jesus continued, But look at this woman. She has flooded my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. And Simon, you didn't greet me with a kiss, which was a simple standard sign of hospitality. But since she came in here, she has not stopped kissing my feet. And you didn't even offer to anoint my head with oil, but she broke a beautiful alabaster box of more beautiful and expensive perfume, and she poured the perfume all over my feet. The room was silent as Jesus paused for seconds. It felt like hours. You are right about one thing, though. She is a sinner. Hearing Jesus call her a sinner made her shudder. She knew she was not worthy to wash his feet, but she hoped Jesus did not know her past or her present, but he clearly did. How would he respond? Would Jesus judge her like the others judged her, perhaps like Simon had? Simon was not as wicked as this woman, but he was not as thankful as her either. Perhaps our testimony is the same as Simon's. Maybe we have been blessed to be part of a godly family all our lives. Perhaps our testimony is God has kept us from scars he does not have to heal us from. If so, we should be abundantly thankful because we have been abundantly blessed. Thankfully, God loves and forgives sinners like Simon and sinners like us. Thankfully, we have the opportunity to show God gratitude for his forgiveness through our worship. That brings us to our first question. Why do you think Simon was more focused on the woman's heinous sin rather than his own? But what if our story is more like her story? Perhaps we have a past we are not proud of but cannot erase, piling up one sin upon another until we cannot bear to wake in the morning because of the crushing weight of our guilt. But along came Jesus. And he forgave us of our sins, all our sins. If her story is our story, we should be abundantly thankful because we too are abundantly blessed. That is why we should follow her lead and fall at Jesus' feet in extravagant worship. Next question. What does extravagant worship look like in our day? Do you think a simple raised hand and song 
would have been enough for this woman to show her gratitude to God? Okay, I will stop meddling and continue. Jesus answered Simon's question before Simon had a chance to ask it. That's why she has shown me such love. But Simon, a person who has been forgiven of a little, will only love a little. This act of worship was no act. This was love. Washing Jesus' feet with her tears, drying them with her hair, anointing his feet with precious perfume, and even kissing his feet were all ways of showing Jesus how much she loved him, how much she was thankful for him, how much she knew she would not be who or where she was if it was not for him. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Peace. It had been years since she really felt peace, but just hearing him say the word gave her peace her soul craved. She never felt better. Simon never felt worse. Simon saw sinner. Jesus saw forgiven. Well, that stirred up a firestorm. Simon's religious colleagues nearly choked on a bullock bone. No one could forgive sins, especially hers, but God. How dare he purport to be equal with God? I almost hear it in a British accent. How dare he? This was blasphemy. Moses would roll over in his grave if we could find it. And while they steamed over proper theology, they forgot one simple theological truth. All have sinned. Romans 3 verse 23 says it as succinctly as possible, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us, even the best of us, have sinned. Truth be told, all of us still sin, 1 John 1. Now that is never a license to sin, but it is a sobering reminder that we have no share in self-righteousness. Without the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we are no better than the worst sinner our sanctified minds may think of. All our sins forged the same hammer that nailed Jesus to the cross. While the human consequences of sin may be different, only the imputed righteousness of Jesus takes care of the eternal consequences of sin. Some sin seems to be harmless. A husband clicks where he ought not while on a business trip. A student takes a little pill to take the edge off. We shout out a few unkind, unclean words in traffic. Surely God doesn't care about those. Our society certainly doesn't. Society even divides crime into two categories, misdemeanor and felony. But what about to God? Does God care about a little lie like he does first-degree murder? Does he see all sin the same? The consequences in the courtroom may be different, but the consequences in our souls are not. All have sinned. And sin, all sin, separates us from God. All our sins nailed Jesus to a cross. Whether we are Simon or this worshiping woman before she was a worshiper, we all need to repent and get right with God. It is being born again, regenerated by the transforming work of the Spirit that brings us into covenant with God, according to Ephesians chapter 2. That is our only hope for forgiveness. Next question. How would we view sin differently if we saw it through God's eyes? Well, the good news is God still forgives. Thank God. That was music to her ears. It should be music to ours. If you wrecked your life and others, God still wants to forgive you. And he will freely forgive you if you will repent. 
We don't need to beg God because God wants to forgive us and free us from guilt. That's one of the main reasons he came from heaven to earth to give his life on Calvary. He came to freely forgive. When we realize how much we've been forgiven, it will show up in how we worship Jesus and how we love him. When we realize the depth of the pit from which we were dug, it will show in the depth of our devotion to him. Sometimes our worship calls us to jump for joy in red-hot Sunday services. Other times that worship calls us to bury our faces in the carpet at the altar and weep when we realize just how merciful Jesus is and just how sinful we have been. If we could ask this woman from Luke 7, she would tell us that wholehearted worship is rarely, if ever, prescribed or pretty. But it is worship. And worship is the only right response to Jesus for the forgiveness he has shown to us. One more question. How do you express your love for Jesus for his forgiveness? Okay, we wrap this up. It has been over 20 years, 23 to be exact, since I first walked into Brother Shirley's office to work on his computer and Brother Shirley gave me the libretto. I used it all the way through college. I used it for a few years after college, but as time passed, it grew more difficult to find parts for it, and it ran on Windows 95. That's a few operating systems ago. But that laptop is still remarkably valuable, not just because it helped me take class notes. It is remarkably valuable to me because it reminds me of the undeserved kindness Brother Shirley showed me when I was a poor, needy college student. I kept that libretto as a reminder of somebody who loved me and showed me grace. We should remember the same. Maybe nobody's ever given you a laptop or even a toy top, but Jesus has given all of us the greatest gift any of us could ever receive. He has given us the gift of forgiveness, even the gift of salvation. A simple thank you card does not seem sufficient. Neither does an hour on Sunday to sing a few songs and listen to a sermon. We will reflect the depth of our gratitude to God for his love through our worship. Let's give God wholehearted worship and thanks for all he's done for us. Let's live our lives to love the one who gave his life to love us. When we worship greatly, we remember that we have been forgiven greatly. When we worship little, perhaps we think we've only been forgiven little, but we have been forgiven of much more and given much more than we truly know. May this parable of these two debtors and the stark contrast between self-righteous Simon and the once sinful, now worshiping woman teach us that all of us have sinned, all of us have been forgiven, and all of us should live all of our lives to love and worship Jesus. Last question. Do you think the lady kept the alabaster box that once held that perfume? And if so, why? And that's all. Let's pray. First off, for God to forgive us of our sins and give us humility. And then for God to help us to worship him with a thankful heart for all he has done for us. Lord Jesus, we love you with all our heart. We can't express near enough how thankful we are for you, how good you are to us, how much you've done for us, how much you have forgiven us, how much you've saved us from. We are grateful. I ask you today, forgive us, God, of all of our sins, whether we see them as little or big. Forgive us, Lord, of all. I ask you also, Jesus, help us to 
thank you and be thankful and worship you with everything we have as a response to the love and the forgiveness and grace and mercy you have shown to us. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, may we who have been forgiven of much worship much because you have been so very good to us. Please forgive us for being critical of others. Forgive us for being more like Simon. I ask you to help us to see you as you really are, the God who forgives, and help us to live holy in light of that forgiveness. I pray it all, thank you for it all, in the precious, lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, God's Word for Life listeners. Be sure to subscribe and share. Click the notification button so you will never miss one of these episodes of God's Word for Life. Also, I've got a great deal for you. If you head over to PentecostalPublishing.com, use promo code GWFL10. That's GWFL, the number 10. And you can save 10% off your entire order when you order on PentecostalPublishing.com. It is a one-time use promo code. So once you have used it on your account, sorry, can't use it again. But you can save 10% off your first order using that promo code. So head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. You'll find Bibles, Bible studies, devotionals. You'll find all the God's Word for Life suite resources there for all ages. All the God's Word for Life resources are there. The lesson guide, the daily devotional guide for youth, children, adults, everything is right there. And once again, use promo code GWFL10. It's in the notes. You'll see that right there. Thanks to all of our listeners. We have a God's Word for Life Facebook page, and I would like to interact with you as we walk through these lessons, these episodes. I'm going to share a question from each of these episodes on our Facebook page in the story and give you a chance to respond and answer some of these questions. So head over to facebook.com slash God's Word for Life, no spaces, no apostrophe, even though I know that would be good grammar. It's all over there at facebook.com slash God's Word for Life. The link will be there in the show notes. Give you a chance to interact with our listeners, with me as the host, and help us to continue to grow in our walk with God. We continue this brand new spring series called The Parables of Jesus. Next week, we want to go through the parable of the talents, and I want to share with you an episode called My Part in the kingdom of God. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, Visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.